Good morning, everybody. Christopher Luce back with another podcast. This time, I'm going to be targeting my autism. I'm going to be telling you a lot about Asperger's syndrome, where it originated, how it came about in me, and I hope you will really enjoy this because we are in a time where disabilities are, there's kind of a stigma behind it. You know, and I want you to know that I don't bite. I am not any different than anybody else. I just suffer from certain things that other people don't. So I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome when I was 13 years old. It came about when I was being raised by my mom and dad. They kind of noticed there was some strange stuff about me, different behaviors that aren't normally seen in other kids. My siblings, they didn't really show the same signs that I did. A bit of brief history on me. I was adopted and I was born into a family that I would later find out had a lot of disabilities. Asperger's is what I was diagnosed with, OCD, depression, and bipolar disorder. And I probably have more wrong with me, but those were the basics. So as time went on, I developed these behaviors of not making eye contact. I had a hard time with staying on focus and I had a hard time with my temper and I struggled with certain subjects in school, math and science being the main ones. A little bit of history on Asperger's syndrome. Hans Asperger, or Hans, founded it in the the 1940s in Austria, in Vienna. And he found out that Mainly it was in boys, but they suffered from social difficulty, but they were very good in speech and they had exceptional verbal skills, but that, but some of them did have speech difficulty, like getting ideas out and they did not make eye contact, a lot of them. So with Hans Asperger's, it was figure out a solution for this and hence the disability was named after him. When I was 14, I was put on medication. I was put on Zyprexa. And I had seen many psychiatrists, many doctors, many therapists, and it just wasn't working too well. Well, I've never been good with authority figure, so it was hard being around a lot of therapists because they were always correcting me and I took everything personal. And, you know, you can't take things personal in life. You have to look at what people tell you as a method to better yourself and to become a better person, to become a contributing member to society. Asperger's, I've decided, was to make it my biggest strength. There's a lot of stigma behind it. People look at someone with a disability as though they're they're fragile or they don't have, they, they're just different. You know, there's a stigma behind it. And every year, my parents do the National Awareness of Mental Illness Walks and Car Show. And they do a car show and this is a near and dear subject to my mom. She believes in getting rid of the stigma of mental disabilities and making it aware that we have to accept each other in society for who they are. We accept other people for who they are. We need to accept mental illness in others and accept them for who they are. We're all made by God. We're all unique individuals. We're all here for a reason or a purpose in life. As I grew older, I saw Rene Gonzalez. He was one of my psychiatrists. He, pres- he gave me Zyprexa. 
And Zyprexa is not a good drug for you. Generally speaking, it makes you get, gain weight and it makes you very tired. So they took me off of Zyprexa and put me on some other meds. I won't go into a lot of detail on those. But Renee Gonzalez retired and I went on to see Carol Schwartz. Carol Schwartz was a great doctor. She kept me on these meds and I did really well. She kept me pretty much on what Renee gave me, Renee Gonzalez gave me. So it was good. These meds have worked for me to this day and I continue to take them regularly because if I don't take meds, folks, I am a Mr. Hyde. You know, I've gotta be on my medication at all times. I take a morning and night and if I'm not on my medication, I go nuts. But that's not all I struggled with. Autism was not the only thing I struggled with. I struggled with bipolar. I can go from happy to sad in five minutes. You know, I get down in the dumps, I get depressed, and that feeds in to the bipolar is I get depressed, I get irritated. Some days, some days it's hard to talk to a lot of people. Some days I just want to be left alone. And generally I'm a social bug. Mom got me into being a social bug. She she got me into doing stuff that I didn't want to do. Growing up, I was not a big fan of being around a lot of people. I'm not a big fan of hugging. I'm not a big fan of certain types of fabrics on me being, being used. Um, I don't like the feel of them. It's like nails on a chalkboard. I'll put it to you that way. So mom got me used to a lot of things growing up. She said, you need to do this. And she'd always throw a wrench in my plans. You know, people like me are set in our ways. We, we do things a certain way. We like to have a schedule, a rigid structure that we do. And, you know, honestly, it was not good for me to have a structured schedule. So I'm very grateful for my mom to make sure that I got out of my comfort zone. She made me do things I didn't want to do. And she, and she taught me to be a gentleman. She taught me to hold the door. She taught me to make eye contact, good firm handshake when shaking hands and make eye contact. Without my parents helping and working with me, I would not be as developed as I am to this day. My dad, he didn't really know how to handle me well, but he was loving in a way and he provided for us. We always had plenty of food and he was very supportive of my mom during this time. My mom, Sandy Luce, went to tons of conferences on Asperger's syndrome. She went and learned how to deal with me. So it was really a beautiful thing that my mother devoted to me as she did. She devoted to make sure I was taken care of. She devoted to make sure I would function in the real world and get through whatever battles I faced. I did suffer from depression in my day, and that was a difficult time for me. Depression was where I'd stay and I'd sleep, and I didn't do well. I, I'd get down in the dumps, especially around winter time. It was snowing and rainy and all of that stuff out in Edgewood, and I got depressed. 15 and 16, I felt, you know, I'm going to be a rebel. And I cannot blame the disability for being a rebel. It, it had contributing factors, and that was a part of it. But I was a rebel. I would do things that would make my parents cringe but make me laugh to this day. I would go to concerts on 94 Rock. I'd go on the radio station and try to win concert tickets. I would do stuff. I'd get bring Harry Potter books into the house because, as you know, Harry Potter was banned. I would watch movies I wasn't supposed to watch. I watched World Wrestling Entertainment. All of this stuff was banned 
But it was the feel of being a rebel. And I think part of my illness went into that. I also suffer from OCD. If nothing is right in my place, I'm OCD about that. The pictures have to be just right. Everything has to be just right. Food has to be cooked just right. Cleaning has to be just right. Everything has to be just right. And even at I'm out in public, if there's a soda can balancing on the edge of a table, I'm going to push it back because it just doesn't look right. And I obsess about things a lot. I obsess about projects. I get into a project, I can't quit. You would have to drag me away from that project and get me to eat and get my rest that I needed. I also had OCD in the casinos. I had a bad addiction for gambling. And gambling is not good. It, it Casinos are there to take your money. You might as well hand your money at the door to the doorman. As my older brother Paul would say, just hand your money to them. Don't even bother playing on the machines. And I felt that casinos was an outlet to make money and I'd make a living at it. Boy, was I wrong. My OCD said I could make a money at the casinos and I could make a living. Not true. You will never be able to do that at a casino or gambling of any kind. Casinos aren't built on winners. They are built on losers. How else do they give free drinks and food and all the good perks that they give? As... Time went on, I did win my first jackpot at the casino, and then after that I was hooked. And where I'm going with this is OCD had me hooked on casinos. You know, my, my, my obsessive compulsive disorder got me hooked to where I would live there. I would try to bum money from my parents. I'd be looking for any amount of money out of the parking lots to try and go to the casino to gamble with it. Well, one day, mom called me up and said, I'm not going to give you money. She said, I want to take control of your finances and everything is going to be in gift cards. So she gave me gift cards to grocery stores. And that was 2013. So I'm like, okay. She took my finances, took charge of them, and it was grocery gift cards. So I thank her for it, though. I love the fact that she helped me nip this gambling addiction in the bud. I've never gone to a casino ever since that. I quit going there. I quit spending my money there. Believe me, casinos are not good investments, folks. There are so many other things you can do with your money, and casinos is not one of them. So back to my teen years, I eventually would settle on Dr. Susan Danto. Now, Dr. Susan Danto was a great lady. I see her to this day. I've been seeing her 14, 15 years. She's been around. And she prescribes my meds. She checks in on me. Everything is really good with my psychiatrist appointments. I'm not suicidal. I never have been. I rarely get depressed anymore. I have structure. I have a job that I like. I love recording podcasts for you guys, of course. And I am very, very, very happy. I'm having a very good time in my life right now, except for this coronavirus, which has stressed me out a bit. But I'm going to be honest, I'm starting to adapt to it, but hopefully we can nip this thing in the butt. Well, Dr. Susan Danto takes care of me and makes sure i am got everything I need, and I've got a strong family base here. I love my family to death. You know, they, they are there for me, and so is my biological family. They're very supportive also. When I found Lisa Brott, my birth mother, in 2015, she gave me even more detail about the mental side of things, the mental disability. She gave me detail on it. 
mom turned out to have similar characteristics that I have, and my dad had the same thing. So I got the double whammy, if you will. I got the double whammy from my parents. I got everything. I mean, it was crazy because when you get this kind of, when, when you're born, we're born with genetic traits. We could have the hair of our mother, or we could have the face of our father. We're born with these things. Well, a mental disability goes into you into your genetic makeup. And there is also this old saying that the sins of your father will be repeated. And when I was told this recently, when my mom, Sandy, adopted me, she said that you are very likely going to carry the sins of your father. Well, but here's the key, folks. You can break that cycle. Just because your dad did what he did doesn't mean you carry those sins necessarily. And as I've gotten older, I know that medication helps me with my disability, but I also know I need God. I need Jesus Christ in my life, and he has been here with me for a while. After an incident I had in the summer, spring, I have turned to God more. I have followed God. I want to follow his plans, do his will. Whatever he calls me to do, I want to do. I want to be God's servant. And God is calling me in this business to help out in the community, to help others, to be good to other people, to make sure that they are taken care of. And that is my ultimate goal. And I'm not going to let my mental illness hold me back. I'm not letting people use the stigma against me. There's a stigma behind it. I That is my biggest strength. My mental illness is my biggest strength and it will never, ever, ever hold me back from doing what I have to do. I believe that I am a strong individual and I feel very strong and my mental illness has made me stronger. And sometimes I felt like I misunderstood. People have judged me, I felt, but it's all water under the bridge. I forgive for the judgment. You know, I misunderstood. And once people really get to know me and how I am, they'll know I'm a kind-hearted guy. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm very emotional. I love to help. I love to be there for people. I am a listening ear. And I really feel that being there for people is important. And I care about their feelings. I want them to feel good. And that is a rare quality. Someone with Asperger's syndrome doesn't really show a lot of emotion or care about other people. So they don't really care about the feelings or emotions of others. I do. And it comes back to being raised by mom and her telling me, you need to care about other people. You need to show emotion. You need to have feelings and empathy and sympathy for people. So with autism, you know, it never is going to hold me back. It will not. It is my biggest strength. God made me that way. He built me that way. He built me with these gifts. And I don't want to toot my own horn. That's kind of proud. But I like to talk. I like to speak. You know, I feel very articulate. I feel my stories can help people in their life. And I just strongly feel that being articulate and being able to talk to others and tell them my story, where I come from, the battles I've overcome is a big deal. You know, we've got to come together and accept each other for who we are. That's the general story about this. We've got to accept each other. It doesn't matter if we're autistic. It doesn't matter if we have ADHD. It doesn't matter if we're bipolar. Whatever we have, we were made in the image of God. And we need to accept each other 
and respect each other for who we are and our differences, race, ethnicities, none of that stuff matters. Creed, religion, you know, none of that matters. But you, people will have their own religions that they follow. But we've got to accept each other for who they are. And we've got to accept. And with acceptance comes comes the, the erasement of a stigma. Now, every year, I would do the NAMI walk with my parents. They own a business, and I would go to the car show, and they'd have all their cars showed up. My older brother has a Chevelle. My younger brother has a Thunderbird. All these cars would be lined up, and then we'd do a walk, and my mom is the biggest advocate in the world for mental illness. She raises money through her business. My mom helps out in the community. She is a good lady. She, she has her heart in the right place. She raised me and took care of me and supported me through everything I've ever been through. Relationships, breakups, my disability. She is my mom and I love her to death because, because she brings the best out of me. She motivates me. She brings me to the best I can be. And just seeing that she supports mental illness and the, and, and the story behind it really motivates me. I wanna help out with the mental illness aspect. You know, we need to get rid of this stigma. And my mom is one of the biggest advocates for helping others and accepting people. She once told me, she said, you don't have to fight the fights that, that I fight, but you fight other fights. She said, no one understands the battles you fight. You know, we're all fighting battles. And some battles are different than other battles. But we're all dealing in this world. I believe that my mother is the one that got me through my disability. Because if you ask me honestly, I may have a disability, but people can't really notice that I have it. And I may show certain traits of it, but because my mom worked with me so much and helped me so much, I, I don't think my disability shows as other, it shows to others. Other people have seen it, but they, they also don't, they, 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 many have told me they haven't noticed it. And due to my disability, I think that's why I struggled in jobs. I struggled with authoritarian figures. I struggled with subordinates. I struggled in a lot of areas. I struggled learning. You know, with autism, you struggle to learn certain traits and things. You struggle to learn certain things about, about the job that you have to do. Like I struggled with money. I struggled with counting money. I struggled with a process and a procedure. I like structure and rigidity, but in the back of my head, I'm like thinking at jobs, am I going to screw up? Like with Toys R Us, we did this money system called COSA. And it was called COSA. And I struggled with that. And I got everything so wrong, 20 write-ups came popping out of the printer when Dana Nieto, a supervisor, came from Houston, Texas to help me run my store. And she said the COSA hadn't been done right. That's the magnitude of struggling with a learning disability. I struggle processing certain things, and sometimes I have a hard time getting my ideas out, which is why in this podcast you may hear things. Well, it's because I, I'm trying to get all my ideas out. But through all the doctors, through all of the psychiatrists and psychologists and therapists I've seen, it was... A tough experience because I saw two therapists in my time, um, Victor and another man, I don't remember his name, uh, we'll just call him John. I saw two therapists and they gave me advice, they worked with me, but being a kid that I was, a teenager, I did not like them. 
I did not like the way they talked down to me. That is one of my pet peeves is when someone talks down to me. Whether you're 16 or 15 or 20s or 30s or 80s, you never talk condescending or down to people. That has always been my pet peeve and it always will be. Well, these therapists would talk down a lot and they were kind of critical of me and that steered me away. You Communicating with people, it's got to be constructive criticism, but it's got to be in a kind, polite way to not make you feel like you're not worth anything. Then, oh, this is the crazy part. I saw a guy named Jeff. He was a Jewish man, and he, he had Crohn's disease. And in my day, he worked at the church that I went to. Jeff was very blunt, very straightforward. He said a lot of things that people didn't like. And I started seeing him through the pastor for my therapy. I was struggling a lot with spiritual warfare. Autistic people tend to be more sensitive to spiritual warfare stuff, you know, like demons and angels and walking spirits. We all struggle with that stuff. Autistic people can sense it more. They've got like that sixth sense where they can see things better than others. My thing is I try to avoid that. I don't want to be seeing or hearing or any of that. But I try to avoid spirits. I try to put my mind on God and not focus on the occult. That is a very dangerous position to be in. Well, at that time, I had struggled with a dark figure at the foot of my bed. And it was robed, and I couldn't see it, its face. And I eventually turned on the light, and it was gone. After that, I changed my bed around, and I never put my bed in the same spot again. Well... Also, one time I had this really bizarre dream. I'm running, 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 and I'm cornered, and someone pulls out a gun and points it at me, and I think, oh, boy, it's the end. I scream, wake up, and I had thrown an 80-pound weight set through a window. That is insane. I don't know where that strength came from. I have no idea. I'm, I, I could bench 80 pounds, but throwing an 80-pound weight set through a window, that, that would be impossible for me. I'm five foot six and a half, and back then I was 150 pounds. So how could I have? But as I saw Jeff Hamilton, he was very blunt and brash with me, and we did not get along. One day, he calls my parents over. They come in, and they're sitting with me and him. He wanted to meet my parents, and he told them. He says, you are a saint for dealing with this young man. And that infuriated me. He said, I recommend this, 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 I recommend Christopher be put in a mental health institute. He needs to be treated. And that drove me over the edge. I got mad. I got up in his face. This guy said, you want to not do that. Jeff Hamilton himself said, you can't do that. You don't want to go there. He was a, he was a ninth degree black belt, you know? So what did I, what, what did I stand a chance? I walked out, left, was coming back in, and he said, You're, we're done with you. He said, we're done with you. We're leaving you alone. And I started banging on the walls and destroying the church. So that's how mad I was. So, you know, after that, Jeff Hamilton was later relieved. When a new pastor came along, he was sent away. And he was a good friend of the pastor, but he was not the kind of guy that that really anybody really wanted to be around. They didn't like him very much, and he and they didn't want to pay him. Generally, they didn't want to pay him. So he's gone, and that was the story of me with Jeff Hamilton. You know, that's why to this day I am not a big fan of therapists. 
But I know I need a therapist. I'm seeing a therapist now to keep me on the straight and narrow and to keep me sane and focused. And during this coronavirus, we all need all the help we can get. We need people to talk to. We need therapists. We need a lot of people in our lives to help out. You know, we need to we need people there for us. How else are we going to beat this coronavirus if we're not there for each other? So with autism and bipolar disorder and all the stuff I carry, I believe it has made me a stronger man and a stronger individual. My disability has made me stronger, I believe. It's made me want to do more. It's given me motivation. It's my chip on my shoulder to make me prove that I am not a bad person, that I that my disability will not hold me back. I can do anything I set my mind to. And, you know, that's that's my belief. You know, I am not going to let a disability like this hold me back from doing what I do. And, you know, with, with all of this, I believe that God has a big plan for me. And God revealed some of his plan to me last Sunday. He revealed a lot of it, but not the big, big one. So I'm going to have to wait for that to unfold. I pray a lot to God. I talk to God a lot. I want his advice. I want to know what he's telling me. And sometimes we got to listen to God. He's not going to he's not going to come out of a cloud and talk to us. You know, we've got to listen. We've got to listen through our heart and through our gut and what we're being told, not our head. So, after all this autism business, I learned a lot during this time of how to deal with myself during my 20s. I lost a lot of jobs. I went through relationships. I couldn't keep any of that stuff going. And, you know, and 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 it was it was scary, you know? It was a scary situation when I'm I'm feel like I'm being judged. I felt like it at the church I went to, Foothills Fellowship, I felt judged. I felt like I was a degenerate. And quite frankly, it, it was it was a shame because I am my own individual, and if a church is going to judge someone for the way they are, they're they're not they, they, they have no right to do that. It says in the Bible, judge not or ye shall be judged. And I don't want to be judged by God. I don't want God to judge me. God judges tenfold worse than any of than any of what we can do. So after all, everything, you know, I just live my life to please God. I don't attend church, but I pay attention to church online. I listen a lot. I, I listen to a lot of sermons and I listen to Christian music. And I listen to rock music, but uh, you got to have a good rock, good rock station. But as time goes on, you know, I've learned that I need to also relax more and not be so intense. But I'm very energetic. I'm high strung. I do a lot of things. I like to be active and busy. I like to be doing things, you know. And, and as time goes on, I've learned I need to mellow out a bit. But that's probably part of the disability also. But at the same time, you know, I am feeling very, very good. I feel great. And this disability, if anything, it's pushed me forward and not held me back. And I am so appreciative to my parents for mentoring me and raising me and learning how to deal with me and never giving up on me. A disability is hard. Asperger's is not easy to have because what other people can do I don't always have the same amount of easiness with it. But what I can do, other people can't do. But we're all individuals. We're all unique. 
We all got to come together and accept people with disabilities for who they are, just like anyone else. The stigma's got to break. And I believe that with love and help and support, we can help each other, love each other. And for all those people with disabilities out there listening to this, you can make your disability either your biggest strength or your greatest weakness. And believe me, you want to make it your greatest strength. You want to channel what you're going through, what your, what your disability is. You want to channel it to your strengths and do what you love. Life on life's terms. We've been dealt disabilities. We've been dealt autism. We've been dealt this stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's how it goes, you know. Life is not easy. Life is not a cakewalk. And the sooner we all learn that, you know, the, the better off we all are going to be, you know. So, so I'm, a, I'm a believer that, I, that where we come from does, or what we have does not dictate our future. We can do anything we set our minds to do. With that, I am going to wrap up this podcast. And I hope everyone has an awesome day. Happy Sunday. Once again, this coronavirus is in full swing. But we're going to nip it in the bud, drink lots of water, wash your hands, be cool, keep your distance, quarantine yourself, and I will definitely have another podcast for you soon. That's all I got, everybody. Have a safe day, and I am out. Stay healthy and happy. Until next time. All right. Bye.